Welcome to the Subject to Revision podcast. In a society marred with cancel culture, we hope to be a beacon of light. It is here where we will share stories of forgiveness, redemption, and new perspective. We will use our experiences to remind us all of the human condition, one where mistakes and grievances are the seeds of growth and change. Together, we hope to poke through the dark veil of condemnation and show the light that glistens on the other side. Hey, Nick. Hey, Mark. I'd never call you Nick. Um, I think I've been calling you baby Nick since the moment that, uh, that I met you and was introduced to you. So that was weird to say, but I thank you so much for joining today. Um, I don't know what we have in store. Uh, so for people who are listening to this, um, you know, about as much as I do about what the next hour of conversation is going to look like, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I do appreciate you being here, um, just as, uh, a little piece of context, um, I've known Nick now for, boy, probably almost seven years, probably like six and a half years, yeah. um, right around there. And um, we're both in recovery together. Um, and, uh, and he has played uh, very influential roles in my life at various times. Um, so uh, plus, we used to talk in the parking lots of diners for like hours on end. So <laughs> if anybody can cover an hour to an hour and a half of a podcast, it would be this gentleman right here. Um, you still go by uh, by gentlemen, right? Yeah, as of right now, nothing's changed on that end. So I'm uh, safely gentlemen until further notice. All right, excellent. So uh, yes, this gentleman. Um, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself at all or tell the audience about you or if you want me to just start asking you questions that you can give long-winded answers to uh i mean um you you pretty much covered who uh you know the gist of who i am um you know at least our relationship uh i'm just uh, a normal guy who uh, is in recovery trying to find my way in this world and ground myself and uh, enjoy what life has to offer before I'm, uh, before I'm gone. So that's, that's really it. And whatever you want to talk about, um, you know, whatever you well, you're not, you're definitely not a normal guy. Cause you can, um, jump over cars and you can sing better than Eddie better. So, um, <laughs> we, we can start with those things. Uh, yeah. Um, what I haven't had any, uh, any musicians on yet. So you would be the, the first musician, Nice. Um, I mean, I have some people who who play music, but not the way you do. Hmm. Um, you are a studio artist, according to like my Instagram feed. Um, you want to talk about that, like maybe role music plays in your life, or or why it's something that like you continue to, you know, I don't know, move that ball forward, and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it generates a lot of excitement, but yeah, but let's talk music. Let's talk about you and you being a musician, and and maybe what that means for you. Yeah, man. Um, well, just thanks. Thanks for having me to talk about anything. Uh, I appreciate that because I know how much work you put into this. And it's it's a beautiful thing that you've done this and had so many different people on and gotten all their experience in different areas of their life. Um, I think it's really cool. So, you know, in, in terms of my music, um, I love music. I've always loved music. I've always loved some type of um, artistic expression. Uh, I've, I've always liked poetry. I've always just, uh, I've, I've always wanted to like express myself in, in music and it's really, 
you know, it, it's not really just an outlet. I don't really think that that does it justice for me. Um, it's more of like a compulsion that I have to do this because regardless of the responsibilities in my life, regardless of things going on, good or bad, um, financially or, or anything could be going on. And when I have this impulse to create or this impulse to be creative musically, uh, there's no getting away from it. And if I try to get away from it and I try to kind of uh, suppress it in favor of something more practical, I suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So, you know, that might sound a bit dramatic, but but that's the truth, you know, almost finding... Do you ever have, like, times where, like, you don't, you don't want to play? Like, you just... Yeah. Like, you're, like are yes. you ever... Or is it like, or is that like a thing that, like, regardless of your your mood, you wanna you wanna do it? No, no, it's definitely not that. I don't want to play all the time, um, which might sound contradictory to what I just said, but it's really not because it's the same way that it's a compulsion. It's very difficult for me to synthesize or fabricate some compulsion to create. So the same way that, like, once once you know, the mood, once the mood uh, kind of hits me, <laughs> once it's on in that way, the same way that if the mood is not hitting me and I still want to create, like in my head, I want to create, but in my, in my mind, in my spirit, I, I don't. It's very, very difficult to continue doing it, you know? And that's, that's probably one of the more difficult things about studio recordings, right? Like I just, just started recording or I didn't just start. I've been recording uh, my first album and I'm almost done with the first, um, the first five songs, which will be on an EP coming out within the next couple of months. And that process has been difficult because it's not just expression. It's not just getting out there and performing in front of 200 people and you're vibing and you're, you're just laying it all out there spontaneously. It's like everything's under a microscope every breath that I take, every note that I hit or don't hit. Um, it's a much, it's a much more sterile process. And, and so it takes like consistency and perseverance. And those are qualities that I lack being, um, someone with, with pretty heavy duty ADHD. <laughs> so <laughs> it's difficult. So, um, when you're performing live, there's, there's like a rush, like there's an audience, there's like, um, yeah, like there's energy to feed off of. How does that translate to the studio? Like, how do how do you like get yourself in a place to like feel, um, the music that you've written the way you would if there are like other people's energy there to feed off of? You know, the truth of the matter is that like I'm still really finding out how to do that, um, and. I'm just coming to my first concrete, um, like my, my first concrete references of how to do that. And it really starts before I even enter the studio that day. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, just preparing and it's, it's hard to explain, but it's just this feeling like I got to go in there and be myself. Like it, 
it, it sounds dismissive, but it's almost like I got to tell myself just like, fuck it. Like, it doesn't matter. Just go in there and have fun. Just go in there and have fun. And it's like by saying fuck it, by saying it doesn't matter, by being dismissive about it, I free myself up to be spontaneous the way that I would be if nothing were on the line. And in that way, I end up acting as if nothing is on the line, which is a better performance than I act when something is on the line. You know, um, <laughs> it's it's kind of this yeah, paradigm. And I love to say that I'm like a, a vet and I'm like, you know, I just go in there and I light a couple of candles and I, you know. Well, that's some, what I assume. I just assume yeah, I like. Barefoot and light incense. Yeah, you just like grab a fucking guitar and let it rip and, and you know, beautiful hymns just come out of you. And, um, well, you know and what, you, dude? And you leave there and you're like, ah, oh, that was great. You know what, dude? It's like um, when I go there and I meet up with uh, the producer that I'm working with, who's really fantastic. Um producer sound engineer he does the lights and the sound at the paramount he like runs everything there his name is mike akampora um he's fantastic you know when i'm there with just him and me uh it feels like a little bit more pressure and then when i bring somebody else into the mix like when i bring like a couple of friends or something like that i feel more like myself and i don't know if that's just uh, a lack of comp like a, a lack of you know, confidence originating from myself, or if it's just that, like the people that I care about give me more confidence, whatever it is, it just, it feels better. Like Dylan and April came, you know, um, two of our, our friends for people who don't know, like they came to a recording I had one time and that felt very natural. You know, like when people are around me, I feel good. I feel, I, like, I feel like I can, I can relate to that in like a non music way. Like I, um, like even even if it's like Marissa and I, right? And we're we're gonna go out. Like I, the way my like my personality works. Like if I have a few people around me, it like it feels like it works better. Um, like it likes options to like play off things that people are saying. Um, like I I find more comfort in like a a group of five than I do and like with like just two people or that i would if there were 20 people yeah like I, I have this number where like my comfort level starts to rise um and it's because like this this person that i am feels like it can like really like flourish in an environment where there's like competing thoughts to play off of and and personalities and like energy and like people's body language um, where like, I, I personally like feel like most of these. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, when there, when there's this almost like an appropriate sample size where like, if anything happens, there's like, there's two sides of anything, you know, like if you're just with two people, it's like the two people can kind of gang up on you. Uh, if you're with 20 people, like, you don't, you know, there's like too many, like five is like good. You can have like two agree and three disagree and no one's really out in the cold. <laughs> like I, I would rather golf with three strangers than golf by myself. Yeah. Like there is, I don't know. There's like, like I feel like life almost paces itself better when people are around than when there aren't people there. Like there's something about like the energy or whatever it is that like other people bring that um, like they, they define like time and pacing better than I can do when I'm just by myself. 
Yeah, I mean, well, how much of our how much of our image of ourself is based off of the feedback that we get from other people? A ton of it, I would well, guess. I feel like we're about to go down a very fun Nick Novellino rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, just as a precursor, I'm probably undereducated to speak about almost anything, but I'll talk about almost anything at the same time. Well, this, this podcast is specifically for people who are not experts in anything talking about everything. Oh boy. Am I, am I in the right place? <laughs> it's built for you. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, to what, to what degree do we, do we base, do we base who we are or what we think of ourselves and what we think of our identity off of the feedback that we get from other people. And I would say most of it, you know, um, I would say that I, I, I feel like what I work towards is to not allow that. Um, I would, so I get where you're coming from and, and in some way I feel like it could be true, but at the second, this, on this, on the second thought of it, I would, I would ask you to revisit it because even our, even our, view of ourselves and growing ourselves like naturally and originally from the inside and and like growing in and then outward, it's still based off of what is going to play well in the larger picture. You know, it, it, our, the, the way that I view myself, do I view myself solely based off of other people's opinions, shallow opinions of me and what, what my image might be at face value? No, but the principles that I embody and that I aim to embody, um, the most, like the nearest and dearest ones that like really, I, I try to have guide the decisions that I make. They're, they're from me, but they're because I live in a world where like relationships are everything. Okay. So I'm, that's I'm, like, I'm revisioning. I mean, uh, I'm going to revisit my thought. You want to revisit I, an I, hour later? I, I think I, I think I want to do it now. <laughs> because I, I do think for a non-expert, you bring up some, some valid points. Um, I, I think it's important to, to understand like uh, the sandbox in which I play. Um. And I, I guess there, what would be the point of trying to be a better person or a better human being if, like, the end of that wasn't, like, if the, the end of that sentence isn't, um, like, to the world around me? Like, what does it matter? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to the extent that I... I am in control of the relationship that I decide to have with my guiding principles, right? Like for, for me and you in recovery, we're familiar with the idea of having the full and complete right to a higher power of our choosing. Um, and my understanding of, of that higher power, I need to come to my own understanding at, at some point, And I need to believe in the things that I believe in for my own personal reasons. Um, but there is, you know, just the, the species that I am, the type of thing that I am, the animal that I am, 
that entire idea of what I believe is, is conceptually based around me being a social creature. So it's like, I can't extract my principles from everybody else. You know, like when you hear somebody say, well, I don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks about me. Do you think that, (laughs) does that sound attractive? Not really. And usually those are the people who like actually do. I think I said that on the last episode. Really? That's funny. (laughs) That's, and, and that's kind of like what I mean. It's like, I do give a fuck what people think about me. Uh, not like I, I care about if they talk about me positively, like to each, like to each other in their own living room, but like, you know, it matters to me and, and not just in a superficial way, right? Like when I'm around other people, I'm naturally energized. Like, if you go to pri- if you go to a high security prison, what is like the number one way that they'll punish you for misbehaving? They'll throw you into a cell in solitary confinement. So like you're you're around you're around rapists, murderers, killers, people, you know, violent crime offenders for 24 hours a day and still the worst thing that they can do to you is put you in a cell by yourself for like a week and you're like, "Okay, I'll never do that again." <laughs> Not that I've ever been to a violent prison, so I wouldn't know, but that's like a concept, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> You're just going uh, solely based off of like Shawshank Redemption. 100%. Most of what I believe is actually based off of either the basic text or Shawshank Redemption. So, I mean, I think what you're bringing up, though, in all seriousness, um, well, I think it's worthy of conversation because I'm. I want to say, like, can't both things exist? Yes. Can I not give a fuck about what anyone thinks about me, but still care about, like, my effect on others? Yeah, I think that, that that's, I think we just met right in the middle, because I think that that's my goal. You know, it's it's like to not care in all of the ways that are superficial don't matter. And that I have no control over that don't serve me or anybody else. And then also to embrace the fact that like the way that people feel about me, the way that people who are close to me affect me, um, just like human relationships, they're just like, they're a fundamental piece of who I am. Like they're energizing to me. They mean something to me. Now you really got me thinking. I feel like I have to care about what people think about me. And I'll tell you why I feel that way now and why I I guess I'm um just subject to revisioning myself <laughs> from a week nice. ago. Um I think I have to care in the context of like that's the stimuli that tells me whether or not I am upholding um, the things that matter most to me. Yes. I think that, I think that that's it. I think that's, I think that's really, you put that really well. And that's like, kind of leads me back to the original point. It's like, I, it's easy. It's easier for me to be like, Oh yeah, I'm being myself when like I'm around people that like know and care about me. So when they're in there with me, you know, to bring this full circle, if I'm in the studio and I'm joking around and like, I'm having that back and forth, even if it's just casual banter. Um, it's like, that's my sounding board, like of who I am. Like I am myself. I am, I am this interaction at, at some level, you know, 
And then it's easy for me to carry that ambiguous concept of myself into a performance and just be who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Do you, was music something that like you neglected when you were using? Um, Or did that continue throughout? Um, I neglected it. And I also, so like I fantasized about music a lot more than I ever put the work in to achieve anything. Like I was willing to do very, like I did that with everything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, so music was no different in that sense. Like uh, I still played with a band. Um, I wasn't very good at that time. I didn't play any instruments. I just did vocals and they were like a jam band a little bit. So I was just like kind of imposing my vocal will like anywhere where I thought that it could fit just so I could play music, just so I could play music live. Um, but I didn't really put a ton of practice in besides singing by myself in the, in the car, which was just like convenient and fun, you know? And I'd like to say that a ton has changed. I mean, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely changed. I, I put so much more work in and I've learned an instrument and I'm, you know, at least on some basic level. And I'm trying to teach myself piano now, but. Um, Is this like um, one of the gifts that you've given yourself? So in a lot of episodes, uh, I bring up forgiveness and, and personal measures of forgiveness um, is the length that you will go to, to create, produce, perform your music, like a, a piece of like personal forgiveness for you. Um, now that you mention it, I, I think that the being consistent and persevering through the difficult pieces of the recording process are, um, because there are times where I'm doing this and I'm just like, I'm not really that good, man. Like I should just like stop doing this. Like, you know, my, my job during the day is, is really solid and I have an opportunity to do something. I should just put more time into that, even though I already put an absurd amount of time into both. Um, it's, and it's just, you know, really what it is, is just that there are parts that are hard work about being a musician or about being, a vocalist or creating anything there, you know, there's a lot of hard work that people don't see. And the hard work parts are my least favorite parts. No surprise. So those yeah, are, right. It's like, it's like cleaning the dishes after having the meal. Exactly. And it's like, it's, it's such a necessary part. Um, I mean, I don't even like doing it with this, right? Like the, like having the conversation with you is fun. Like I, I like this part of it. Um, I, I don't, and I don't even edit it. Shout out to Kathleen who kills it. <laughs> at like doing that, but like, I want to download the files. I don't want to put it in like the, the compressed folder thing that she likes and upload it to the drive. And then, uh, you know, answer questions that she has about it while she's editing. So she can do the thing that I'm asking her to take her time to do. Yeah. And then I get it. And like, I usually sit with it for a few days before I even like publish it or like put it on social media. I'm like, oh God, like so much work goes into like 
fucking clicking on my phone the same way I do for 98% of the shit in my life that I seem to have no problem. But when it comes to this thing, and I don't, I don't know if there's like a, if it's just like laziness or if it's the, the not fun part, or if there is like a, a psychological component of, um, because like once I, once I publish and once I post, um, like I start looking to see if people listen. Sure. Like I take a certain measure of pride. I, um, I think I, uh, and we can get into a fun conversation in a second. Cause I, I would love to hear your views. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep it in here, but, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. But like, I know that like my friend Kat who does the editing, like I know she puts a lot of time and energy into it. Um, I know that the, the guests that came on here, like I've had people literally like break down and cry on some of the topics and like, like they, they like poured themselves into this conversation and like, I, so and like I, I find a lot of meaning in, in the stuff that we talk about. Um, and maybe that's like self-righteous. I don't I don't know. But like I like I I don't know. Like I, I want to see that like people gave a shit. And in the beginning, I didn't. And that's probably why I didn't mind doing some of the like additional work because um, I just assumed it would be nothing. But then, you know, um, at this point, I've been doing it for a year. Um, I would. Uh, this this would be the 21st episode. Um, I've had like at this point, maybe like twenty five or twenty six hundred listens, which is a lot for, you know, like a thing that I do in the living room um, yeah. with, you know, with like normal, like regular people. Um, and uh, the, I'll bring this up because I guess it's it's. I feel like you and I can have a good conversation. Like I said, this may have to get edited out, Kathleen. I'm just prompting you now. Um, but uh, so I I posted the last episode with Marissa's friend Megan. Um, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. Um, and um, Saturday while I was working, uh, I got like a DM on Instagram. And the DM was from like an ex-girlfriend from like almost a decade ago. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say that they had um, very kind things to say um, hmm. when they shared their opinion about the podcast hmm. um, or me or the whole fucking thing. And uh like, a, a, yeah, it, it probably took me like 20 minutes to like work through how I felt about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure like some of the stuff that I talk about is like revisionist history. Some things are that I talk about on here and I, I've I've tried my best to be like very mindful of like not using people's names or anything like that. Um, what I share is really just like my perspective, my memories, how it made me feel, how it still makes me feel. Um, and I, I like it, it kind of knocked the wind out of me to, to have um, like somebody from my past um, kind of condemn that um, for lack of a better word. Uh, and it, I think it, it, 
yeah, I think it just it did it because um, I don't really make any claims on here. I know like you and I had a disclaimer right um, mm-hmm. in the beginning of this. I'm a I'm a professional. Nothing. Um, what I am is a person who um, has experienced some things, um, has, uh, you know, gotten to go through what I feel is like a, a very like special process being in recovery from substance abuse. And, um, I, I feel like there, there can be a lot of good that can come from allowing people to, to share like their experiences as well. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. just, uh, it wasn't a good feeling. Maybe that's what they were hoping to accomplish. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but it's certainly like, it took the wind out of my sails a little bit. Um, I I'm appreciative for how uh, my life has worked out so far. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, not even two days later, um, I got another message from uh, my roommate from when I was in treatment. Um, just like reaching out to say hi and like thanking me for like, um, you know, like being a part of their life during like a difficult time. And um it, it like, I, like I needed something to almost like remind me of like the person that I am. Um, and I don't know if there's like some trauma there or like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of fucking shit there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it would, maybe it would be like if you wrote a song about, and like you included like a story about your, like your ex-girlfriend and then, you know, you were proud of the song and you like publish it and people listen to it. And then that person like sends you a message, like, condemning the the you know the song <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know man but it it certainly fucked me up a little bit um yeah. like i said that may have been their goal so like hey mission accomplished if that's what you were hoping for um well w- w- they this person messaged you and and they were they were condemning something that you had said feelings that you would express in regard to them or just feelings and thoughts you would express in general both things. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And they were very clear that it was both things. It talks about like, um, my recollection, um, and also like my understanding of mental illness. Sure. And listen, my understanding of mental illness is strictly based in the experiences that I have. I'm not a doctor. I've never studied it. What I have been is, um, subject to a lot of experiences that were born from it. Um, and so what I speak to is those experiences, how it felt like I ask other people like who have been through either similar things or deal with certain things themselves, like their thoughts on it or, um, how they view it or how they've worked through different experiences. And the, and the hope is that like somebody listens to this, who's dealing with something and, um, and maybe they find like a path for themselves. Um, I mean, that's obviously not what I got. (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a pretty simple concept that you bring up, you know, just like expressing your feelings um, or expressing the way that you think about something, whether it's right or wrong, um, and not from a place of like real authority, but just that you're a person that is, is thinking this way. And if somebody else thinks this way, then, then you're not alone. Uh, I don't really, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. With that being said, is this person a, a doctor or a, some type of professional and I don't know what they are at this point. I haven't heard from them in like, like I said, probably at, at this point, like almost eight years. Um, 
but uh yeah it was just like it's kind of fascinating um yeah i don't know i just you know it's like one of those things that like happens that um i talk about this on the podcast all the time because i heard it and uh, I, I thought it was beautiful and i it makes sense for me like this this woman on this podcast talks about like how our brains are just like prediction machines um and when like it like our brain's expectation of reality is violated um like we draw a lot of emotion off of it it like sends your body into like um into like a fury because it doesn't know what to do with like the information that it's getting because it was wrong right it thought like something would happen it thought that it knew what a reality was and then something happens that shocks it and it like fucking kernel panics it doesn't know <laughs> what to do and so like you feel it as a human being yeah um and like that, like that's what happened. Like I, I just like like it was out of nowhere, and I think partially because it was out of nowhere, like I like I felt a rush of shit right away. Yeah, and I like, mean, I don't... At, at the uh, sorry to cut you off. At the no, please do. You know, at the risk of sounding like a little bit um, dismissive, and and definitely I don't mean to be dismissive of of what you're trying to explain. Cause I can, you walked me through it pretty clearly and I could see how I could feel the same way, but some people are going to think one thing and see something one way. And some people are going to think differently. And like, honestly, if she doesn't fucking like it, she can make a podcast and talk about it for a year, <laughs> but she didn't. So it doesn't matter. Like, you know, and then you can message her and you can be the person arguing about how she's wrong. I mean, it, you know, uh, everybody's opinions are a blessing and a curse these days. Probably more of a curse, if you ask me. I mean, every asshole, including myself, is allowed to talk about their opinion, qualified or not, and it can be just egregiously off, aggressively off base, um, completely inconsistent with reality, completely inconsistent with all of the facts about everything. But, you know, when you're talking when you're talking about your life and things as you see them and, uh, and the way that you feel about them, that's, you know, this is not as, as far as I know, you're not really conducting a research project. And if you were, I wouldn't have come on because I have nothing to say in, in regard to, you know, sided work on psychology, social psychology, uh, mental illness or any of those things, you know? I mean, I have, I have what I feel, I just said it, but like, this is uh, like my, uh, my, my go-to line. And that is, I go, I say, I feel that. And then I talk about a thing, right? right? Like, I feel like this happening or somebody being this way could be a result of that. Like I, I speak in qualifiers because I know I'm unqualified to, to like diagnose or make a determination. Right. I can only go based off of like, like the things that like the information that I've collected and then like the way that I perceive and understand that information. Like, that's it. That's like all I got. Um, it's not to, it's not to cause harm. Um, I guess I apologize if it, if it causes harm. Um, but I just, man, I feel like they're, or at least I just, I hope so much. That's probably the better word. I just, like, I hope so much that, um, <clears throat> I don't know, that that this thing that I do is, like, a positive influence. Well, 
you know, that there's something about empathy that's very difficult, right? And it's that like employing empathy doesn't mean that you need to agree on anything. Empathy is, is just like being in somebody else's shoes, right? And when you do that, you actually have the chance to influence people. So nowadays you got a lot of, a lot of like this side versus that side, the left versus the right, the this versus the that, um, you know, the socially just versus the ignorant, the communist versus the capitalist. It's just never ending, um, the never ending polarization of, and tribalism of like all these different groups and factions and sides. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's do you feel a, like the world like went through a fucking wormhole like five or six years ago? Cause like, man, there's a part of me that like, yeah, I don't, I don't, that, well, that violation of expectations, like, like something like there I mean, like we we have a pandemic, like a this global pandemic life thing that we live in now. Um, there is a lot of, I think, to to your point, like partisanship, and like uh, very strong like dichotomies in opinion. Um, I I feel like our world turned, and maybe I was just like fucking obtuse and ignorant before but it, it feels like so much in order for me to be right you have to be wrong yeah i mean it's it's you know uh, the point the point before i started rambling the point that i was trying to make was just the fact that if you want to affect anybody and you want to um you want to express your opinion opposite of somebody else's, or you want to correct somebody. Maybe somebody is expressing an opinion that is so factually off base and you know, the facts or, you know, somebody or read somebody who knows the facts, you have the opportunity to approach that person and position it. And how do you really influence people? The best way that I know how to influence people is to first identify with them and then begin kind of just like slowly shifting the conversation but there needs to be there needs to be common ground or or respect or some type of connection like empathetic connection for people to be able to influence you know i, I mean somebody Can you give us an example like a, a specific nick novellino story of influence a specific nick novellino story of influence uh i love story time on the subject to revision podcast so well i mean uh, i'll take i'll take an example i'll take examples from recovery um because i think they're they're kind of like the easiest to take from because even when it's not easy to do, we kind of are working like with the same chips. So it, it's just easy to explain. <laughs> but, but um, you know, if, if somebody, if somebody is calling me and they're coming to me with um, a particular problem and the problem is that they can't, they can't, uh, they can't stop text messaging this girl. That's not their girlfriend. 
right? They can't stop. Uh, they haven't done anything yet. Uh, they haven't crossed any lines yet, but they feel themselves getting closer. And, you know, they know it's the wrong thing. And, and they've, you know, behind that, they're on dating apps, you know, and or whatever, whatever, like the sick, pervasive kind of behavior would be it's never really been super helpful for me to help somebody who's coming to me expressing these things. If I'm like, well, you know, that's, you know, that's a bad idea. Why would you do that? Like it's so stupid for you to do that. And these are the reasons why, like if it gets, if it gets to a point where you have that connection, you have that personability and your friends, you can obviously come at somebody a little more straightforward, but the conversation typically begins for me with something like, I know what it's like to struggle with, um, having ideas about being unfaithful, you know, like before my girlfriend, now I've been unfaithful to every single, almost every single person I've ever been with. Right. And I know the careful you may get some, some, some not good messages in your, in your DMS, bro. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) So, you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make it is that when I, when I tell somebody, I know how it feels, I know how it feels to be compulsed by this, uh, led by this like dark force that just pushes me forward to do these ridiculous things, think these ridiculous things. I can't stop. I can't stop. Um, and, and it sucks and it hurts. And it sounds to me like you're in pain. It sounds to me like you don't want to do what it is that you're doing. And it sounds to me like if, if you really had a concrete, better way to act that you believed in, you might give it a try. And the response to that is like, the response to that is is usually like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, pretty much. That's right. And, and the way that I follow up with it is, is just that, you know, the only thing that's worked for me is, um, like, is that how you came up with your very now infamous 90 days of Mark challenge? I, I don't know how I came up with that, but that is, that's infamous. Should I, should I link context? Cause I think it fits what you're sharing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I've ever talked about it on here, but, um, I will do my best to explain. So it was, um, like a late summer, early fall of 2017. Um, I, um, was just out of a relationship that had ended. That was about three years long. And uh, it was before Marissa and I started dating. We had met, though. Um, And we had met because her parents were my landlords. Uh, But so uh, Nick and I were working together. And uh, and I was doing the thing that um, probably almost everybody does when uh, they basically get, like, dumped (laughs) for all intents and purposes, uh, which is a... They try to find um, someone who will make them not feel as shitty about themselves as they do. Um, so I was feeling pretty bad about myself at, uh, at that stage of the game. And uh, poor Nick had to see me every day feeling that way. 
And uh, one day he proposed an idea to me, which was um, we now call it the 90 days of Mark. But it was basically um, a 90 day stretch of time where I couldn't make a decision uh, based off of like attraction to another person, like physical attraction. Um, and, uh, and it sucked, but I guess it worked because, um, I would say probably after day 60, um, I started to feel better. I think I cried a lot for the first couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and, uh, like I would, yeah, it's so sad. I, I would like get home from, from work and like realize that like I was just by myself and I wasn't allowed to, like try and feel better by like flirting with some girl on a dating app or anything. Like I, I could do nothing. I just had to sit with how I felt. So sometimes I would just cry because like how I felt was bad and crying is a pretty good response to feeling bad. Um, and then like slowly but surely um, I got like some other suggestions from people for like things to do. I like started doing some like meditations. I started to utilize the time in healthy ways. And I started to make decisions where I put myself first. Um, and, uh, and it gave me like all this time to consider how much physical attraction had affected like so many decisions or every decision that I had made in my life since I was like 12 or 13 years old. And now all of a sudden I wasn't doing it. And I, it forced me um, to have a relationship with myself. Um, and, uh, and the end result of that was um, eventually uh, Marissa and I got to a point where um, we could go on a date. And the person that she was dating was a person who would make decisions that was best for them and not only decisions that he thought would be best for her. Um, and, uh, and that has seemed to have worked out pretty well. Um, I, yeah, it, it, it forced me to learn a lot and it is really challenging to do. I have offered that suggestion to other people who have come to me feeling the way that I felt when you and I were speaking. Hmm. And, um, yeah, most people can't hold out for 90 days. That's what I've learned. I don't know anybody else, actually, that's made it the full 90 days. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I guess I was just desperate enough um, or maybe just old enough or maybe my options were just lacked enough. I don't I don't really know what it was, but um, whatever it was, by the time, like, I think, like, probably, like, day 70 rolled around. Like, I don't even know if I wanted a relationship with another person. Like, I, I was starting to feel good. And my mood wasn't, like, so heavily influenced by, like, some fucking woman I just started talking to 43 minutes ago that, <laughs> that ghosted me. Um, like, I just didn't care. Like, it just, it just didn't affect me anymore. Um, and it allowed me to, like, open my ears to like to become a better listener and observer of like other people and like their experiences. It was in the 90 days of Mark challenge that, uh, that I went to this, uh, to a midnight meeting and, um, and I listened to this guy talk about how, um, like, because we're human, like we, we don't get to see the future. We don't, 
even get to see like the parallel existence of other people that will enter our life. And, uh, and he was like, he's like, maybe you're the kind of person that's just like working on yourself right now. Like you're good. And you're like, how come there's nobody else for me? And what you don't realize is that the person that is, uh, that is meant for you isn't ready for you yet. Like they still working through their shit. How come it's got to be about you? How come it's not about them? Maybe they're (laughs) the person that's not ready. And I was like, fuck, maybe they're not ready. Um, (laughs) and like that became like my mantra for for like you know a little while where i was like oh it's not me it's just that that person ain't ready yet you know like they're they're not ready for for the lovely (laughs) the lovely person that i am (laughs) um they 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 had to go through like their own stuff um and like who am i to say like where they are in that that part of the process or who they even are um but like your advice and and adhering to it um like it it closed off a part of my brain that allowed my brain to like open up to like some, some new ideas that I wouldn't have been open to otherwise. Yeah. So like the, the way that that relates to what we were just talking about is, is essentially like the influential, the influential piece of empathy and connection and identification is like irreplaceable. It's like, it's a stronger tool than logic in, in terms of influencing somebody's thoughts and the way somebody sees something. And you might say, okay, well that's in an emotional sphere where you both have, um, you know, that's in an emotional sphere where you both have experience with a similar thing, right? What happens when you're talking about something dangerous? What happens when you're talking about social issues or what happens when you're talking about um, pandemic issues, political issues, financial issues, all of these different things? It doesn't change. Like the quickest, the quickest way to be able to come to a productive, um, a productive conversation that allows either you to learn or you to influence the other person to learn is at least a moment of empathy. Not that empathy is going to get the whole job done, but the job is not going to get done without it happening at some point. Well, I think you bring up a great point and I'm going to touch on it because we can both identify with it. And maybe we can explain it. And that is one of the things that I have come to really appreciate about being in uh, the recovery process that you and I are in is that we remind people all the time to focus on how people felt when they shared their experience and not on the events themselves. Like you got a better chance of relating to somebody if you speak through emotion than if you speak through events. Yeah, without it, without it. And I like, I feel like that gets lost in the in like the world outside of it. Yeah, without a doubt, and and it's very easy to play good guy, bad guy in today's political and social arena, right? Because what happens is, and this person might be right, right? But say, you know, somebody on the left is, is looking at somebody on the right who thinks, you know, this about healthcare and this about Black Lives Matter and this about the pandemic. 
And this person on the left might be right about five out of five of these concepts that they would like to take a grudge with against this person on the right. But what they what happens is it turns into fuck you, scumbag, this, that. Um, you don't care about anybody. You don't care about yourself. And listen, this is a theoretical conversation right now. So like maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe this person doesn't give a shit about anybody and all these things are true. But I think what happens a lot of times is, is we just, we just like the humanity is extracted from it from such a level, right? Because maybe what this person heard was a talking point on the right that was expressing some sort of personal responsibility. And this person had a tough time at one point in their life where nobody was there for them. And the only way that they ended up getting out of this place was by a little help from somebody else or a strong figure who, who guided them in how to take a, a unusual, extraordinary amount of personal responsibility, pick themselves up through hard work and discipline. And through that personal experience, they have, however misguided or not, have painted the rest of their experience with their own personal experience, which is the same, it's the same thing that makes me and you valuable about anything that we think. Because a lot of what we think and a lot of what we feel is painted through our experience and recovery. Now, the lucky thing I'd say for me and you, or maybe I'll just speak for myself, is that uh, I know that in recovery it takes both, right? It takes it takes personal responsibility, and it takes the whole group. I need to for I need to I need to fortify the individual while submitting myself to the whole, or I'm not going to be able to get better. You know, like I, I need to fortify that inner voice and that inner strength and that own personal understanding of what is going to get me through and my own moral foundation. And I need to bring that into the group to bounce it around, to get the feedback, to tell the truth and hear the truth. And, and I think that that's, I think personally, that's just a, a, a big piece of the puzzle that's missing is is empathy. And and the thing is that it doesn't have to mean that you want better for that one person. But if you really want better for everybody and you're right, what are you willing to do to identify with somebody that you hate or dislike or don't agree with in order to influence them to influence the people that they know that they are wrong? And if you're mm-hmm. if you're not willing to do that, then maybe this isn't actually about the greater good. Maybe it's, maybe the DM is more about maybe the DM or the comment or the, the laughing emoji or whatever it is that you put on Facebook or Instagram or any one of these things is more about you feeling better about yourself than it is about doing good. And, uh, and you have a lot of that hidden under good intentions, right? Like good policies push, uh, good policies or good opinions pushed with, the wrong attitude or vice versa, you know? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to set us up for another rabbit hole. Sorry. R- rambled uh, heavy on that one. No, that's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, good. That's what <laughs> this thing's here for. Please ramble. Um, so I, I tend to think that right and wrong are very subjective. In fact, I tend to think that they are only subjective. 
don't think right and wrong are ever objective. Mm. And I, I say that only because I think when I, I think about um, like the human condition, um, like everything that we like, and I know this sounds fucking nutty, but like, er, like everything that happens like happens through like the very limited confines of what we are capable of experiencing. Sometimes that experience comes with help. Um, like sometimes we need, we need additional things to experience something, but like, man, I don't, I don't feel like, um, I don't even know that we have the capacity to understand right or wrong. Um, I, I've talked about it on here before, and um, maybe that's why I, I haven't gotten as many <laughs> lessons. Um, <laughs> I don't even think, like, as a human being, like, human rights exist. I don't think that they're a thing. I think they're, like, a thing we created. I think they could be a thing that we feel. They could be uh, a majority uh, feeling. But I don't, I don't feel like I am entitled to anything. I don't feel like I'm entitled to my life. I, I think I'm, um, I don't know if privileged is the right word, but, um, what I, what I've gotten to experience is, um, I'm just the benefactor of some good circumstance. I don't know the time in which I was like created or, um, I don't know, people I was created to, or that sounds like privileged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. It can be. Yeah. Um, I just, um, like, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, I don't, I, I, maybe it's wrong to kill another person, but like, I can't say that, that it definitely is. I don't, I just don't think that that exists. Um, for for any of us to determine it could be wrong within like the society that we've built it can be decided as a group that it's something that is frowned upon but i I don't think that um it like we're we're owed anything inherently just because we showed up one day yeah i mean that's a that's a heavy that's a big that's a tall order Right. It's a tall, like, um, I'm a tall order kind of person. It's, is there, is there right and wrong? Like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's like the wider the lens gets, the less, the less things mean, right? Like, I don't know what right and wrong means when I look at a 1 billion year window of time. Um, I can have a pretty solid idea of what it means to me. uh, Absolutely. In five minutes and what it might mean to somebody else, you know? And I I think part of that goes back to, uh, in a, you know, the original concept that we had brought up about not giving a shit uh, about what other people think of us and, and things like this, right? Like, it, it kind of, it touches on that and it brings up another question of, is there more than one kind of truth, right? Because 
I mean, we've when when everyone agrees socially that something is the truth uh, for so that it has utility. Does that make it? Does that make it true? Um, so it, is it? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Can you understand at all what I'm saying? I mean, I guess it's 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 it doesn't make much sense. I guess the way that I'm explaining. Well, yeah. I guess you're you're saying that you can like define um, like right and wrong and true and false, um, like based on um the influence of things outside of the center yeah it's like i you know at the end of the day i can't even really so the the wider the concept gets the more of an opportunity that you know selfish selfish pieces of me um want to kind of like wiggle in and take advantage of any room that is going to fulfill my most basic immediate desires and um are you saying i'm being selfish by saying i don't believe in right or wrong no i i think that i think that it i, I believe in right or wrong for me no i understand I think like the rules that. of society i just don't think that like i have any more um right to be here than like my cat does um like a i like why <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. I, uh, like I, I understand like why that is, why that can be the case, but I don't understand why that should only be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand what you're saying. I, I mean, it, I know I went off the rails, man. It's fine. No, it, it makes, <laughs> it makes sense. It's just, uh, I can't even, I can't even really fathom like, uh, well, let me, I'll tell you why I bring it up after uh, I, I brought it up because like you talked about right and wrong. And when I have conversation, like even with Marissa, right? Let's like, I'll, I'll touch on a touchy subject. Let's go um, with abortion, right? Uh, abortion is obviously, um, there are very strong opinions on abortion or a woman's right to choose. Um, I don't think like you're and you, you kind of mentioned it, but like if you if you believe with all of your heart in who you are, why like uh, why we shouldn't be the determining factor in um, like a, the, you know, the gestation period of a, of a child into into life um, like a if that's how you feel, if that is what your truth is because of like your value systems and how you were raised or your culture, or whatever, like, I, I don't see that as being so like drastically different from feeling the opposite. Yeah. I think that especially on a topic like abortion, which is actually what I thought of in the back of my head when, when this came up for some horrible reason, <laughs> whatever the conversation, we're too, we're too white dudes, man. Well, there's, there's two, you know, there's two ways, there's two ways that this gets framed. It's either what it really comes down to, uh, what everyone ends up boiling it into or reducing it to is 
are you killing a baby or are you taking away my right to govern my own body? And <laughs> I mean, it's, that's just the classic way of framing everything, um, which is just like this, this absolute thing on, on one side of the aisle. But I will say, especially when you're talking about, so like when you're talking about things like this that are not very conceptual, uh, there are matters of functioning truth that, you know, sure, is everything subjective if you zoom out far enough? Yeah, it's subjective, but it's not sub- it That doesn't mean that anybody's truth will also end up in having a positive consequence uh, if you just navigate it the right way. There are just... There are forks that you go down where I think that functionally for human beings and societies as a whole, if you go down one way, you are risking um, just like disintegration of the social fabric and and of uh, people's liberty and their life. And then there's... Do Do you value seeing more perspectives to an argument oh so like i could talk about like this topic right like like i said i'm i'm an almost 40 year old white guy right and i just talked about my abundance of privilege i get it i personally believe in a woman's right to choose to to govern their own body that is that is what i feel is right that's like that's my that's a personal truth for me that's that's what i believe that's why i feel Mm-hmm. Right. But I find it incredibly important for somebody like myself who feels that way and believes that way to believe that somebody can believe the opposite argument just as strongly and just as in as innately within themselves as I do. Right. And I just I think that it's I feel like it's incredibly important if I want to understand people, if I want to be like a, a like a, a better member of like the society and community in which I'm part of, um, to and when we talk about empathy, to to understand that a person, when I when I just break it down and boil it down to feeling, can feel just as strongly that they are right on either side of that equation. Yeah, say say that say that last sentence again. It's in it's inherently important to me as a human, as a person who invests in caring about human beings. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you walk into my life, like I'm I I don't know when when it happened, but like uh, like I do. I I care. Like mm-hmm. I I I am invested in people that are part of my my small world right that i get to experience right and i find it very important to even though i believe a certain way and feel a certain way is true to understand that somebody else can feel equally about it on the other side yeah i uh <clears throat> you know i i agree I agree that it is important to be able to understand that somebody has that capacity to believe in that way. Um, and it's, 
empathy to me almost in this like uh, strategic sense, which seems to like suck the life out of, you know, it seems to suck the life out of the concept of empathy, but I don't really think that it does. In order to achieve a means of, of influence with somebody, I think that that empathetic piece is, is absolutely necessary. Um, and it's, it's a skilled way to have a conversation in today's polarized political climate. But there are, you know, just to be honest, there are only so many things that I'll tolerate. Um, and there, there's only so far that your personal experience can be tolerated in coming to form a certain opinion, right? Like, like just derogatory outright racism. Like I have no tolerance for it. Um, could I have a strategically empathetic conversation with a racist to try to influence them to believe something else? Yes, I could. Um, could I, could I come to a, a legitimate belief that like, well, this person just feels the same way that I, the way that I feel that, you know, people are just equal and that race is, you know, not determinant of your worth as a human being. This person just thinks the opposite. And that's just, you know, that's okay. And I love them anyway. That's just not true for me. I mean, uh, and it's, it's sad to say, but more, you know, more this over this last year than ever, I've had thoughts in my head where I, I, I don't want the world to be a safe place for people with extreme beliefs like that, you know? Um, Do you find value in, and I, I'll, I mean, I, I bring it up because I, I just want to be especially clear. Do you find it valuable to at least take someone who is racist and at least try to understand how they could get to that place? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. There's no... I don't think that... Um... Like is a is a baby born racist, right? So if I if I say no, nobody a person's not inherently racist. They're racist because there are there are factors that came into play. Yes. And listen, do I understand that? Like, yes, there are fucking sociopaths, and there's I won't get into mental illness, but like like there there <laughs> there are things that like that that can cause um like hatred and and like all sorts of shit that just fall like way outside the the paradigm of. Um, of, of a healthy society like yes i i get that of course but when i when i see someone who is racist right and a privilege that i have i find it at least important to understand why they may be and maybe that's from coming like being raised in our culture in a recovery culture where we talk about things like the exact nature like if i if i want to help somebody if I want to be able to influence, yeah, I need uh, personally. I feel like I need to be able to at least understand what could drive someone to feel that way. Absolutely, and that they do. Like I can understand. Like, hey, they feel this way. I need to understand why. And like, yeah, listen. Like the the school of hard knocks version of it is like listen, to get rid of racism, like we need to make um, a lot of changes societally and we need some people to die. 
like it, you need you need like like time to do its thing, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like some of this shit is just like deeply rooted, and the further you get from the roots, the further away, like uh, the further progress can uh, can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. But that- when I see someone, I don't go like you have to also be in an in a neatly um, horrific evil person because you're racist. Maybe there's reasons why you're racist. Maybe you don't even understand that you are. Well, there's I don't definitely think- reasons. Yeah, there, there's definitely. I mean, we're, we're we came to a point at, at one point in what you just said where we're saying exactly the same thing. Like, if I want to, you said it almost verbatim that like if you want to be able to influence that person in any way, is it helpful to? know where it is that they're coming from 100%. And that's, that's exactly what I mean when I'm saying like, what, what is the goal here? Is the goal to be right and make somebody feel the pain that you feel? Or is the goal to change people's minds to make, uh, to, to, if there's an opportunity to, to change someone's mind, right? Because like what it crosses over to is, um, if there's a chance to influence this person from being racist to not being racist, that means I'm essentially helping them to see the truth and helping them become a better person. So am I willing to help this racist, you know? And and then it's like, okay, that's a, that's a taboo concept. And here's something that you'll probably, (laughs) here's something you'll probably edit out. But what if we extend the same principle to people who abuse children sexually, right? Uh, What if we do this to capital murderers who murder children, murder women, murder unsuspecting men? Um, is, is, Is punishing them with violence a proven deterrent to stop these crimes from happening or lower these crimes from happening? Um, is the prison system or the punishment system that we've set up or the quote unquote, you know, cancel culture system that's set up in the political arena or, are these things, are these condemnations of people and these punishments for people actually proven to help affect the issue that we're talking about? Or are these ways to kind of just like hit the punching bag? Are these ways to, are these like brutal barbaric ways of getting around something? Or are there ways of talking through these? Because like, it seems like the most difficult and I'll fail, I'll fail as many times as I won't, but it seems like the better way and the harder way is always to understand somebody else as evil as they may seem, the easy way out is always you're bad. I'm good. And and that's so obvious, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's part of the reason why I started this thing, to be honest, was I, I saw so much of it. And, um, I think, I think that there are people, um, that are, um, maybe beyond what we can currently offer for help. Um, I don't know that that'll be forever, but I think now, um, but I also like, I, I mean, I personally have met people who have like murdered people. I, like, I, I've met people who have done horrific things. I don't know that, um, like the current version of them is that person. Um, yeah. And I do think that they're like measures of 
of rehabilitation. But I think that measures of rehabilitation don't stem from hate that equals the hate that that person felt. Right. So, I mean, if, if we can, if we can re, if we can rehabilitate people in, in these really dramatic, um, and dire spheres, like, you know, murder or like, um, you know, these like deviant, awful, like sexual preferences or racism or whatever, um, you get, or I'm talking like blatant racism, um, the the idea of you know cancel culture or being like ultra woke or something like that um it's it's incredibly like it's incredibly performative and it like it's meant to it feels like it's meant to lash out and point fingers and and do something without really having to do anything um and at the same time, it gives a horrible, horrible name to policies that policies and beliefs that could otherwise really help people, right? Because like I can believe that universal that every human being should be entitled to universal health care, a world class universal health care system. And also believe that cancel culture is bullshit and that Kevin Hart should be able to fucking host the Oscars because he said <laughs> some shit about gay people. 15 years ago. I don't know. That was like a completely made up scenario. I don't even know what I remember about Kevin Hart's <laughs> scenario. So, but like, I can believe these things simultaneously. You know, I, I can believe that, that there is, there are levels of systemic racism from like redlining and, and homeowner loans to, you know, African-American families that were um, not as advantageous as the ones that were given to white families and creating different communities and things like that, real material, financial, and eventually cultural issues that affect us today. And I can, I can believe that. And then I can also believe that some girl, you know, <laughs> I don't want to start making fun of people. I was about to go into a pretty heavy duty description of what this girl might look like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some oh, 700 pound girl with a shaved head, purple hair and like frog horn glasses um, <laughs> talking about, you know, how, um, you know, the Olympics are ableist or something like uh, yeah. I don't That's not that's not a, I don't know if that's a real scenario <laughs> dramatized, but it, that's the idea. Like you don't need to. You know, I, I don't find any value in calling out nature. Uh, I, I don't. I don't find any value. <laughs> I watched the video yesterday about how air conditioning is, um, like um, like part of the white patriarchy. <laughs> air conditioning, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't do any good. It just no, doesn't. It, it just doesn't. Well, it, to that point, it does harm. It does. Yes. So. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it on here, but I, I, like Marissa and I had talked about this. Um, I've talked about this with, I don't know, whoever will listen to me sometimes. The, the danger, the most, um, what I feel is like the, the most horrific danger um, of condemnation, of cancel culture, um, of... <sighs> man, I don't know, um, uh, trying to purge people or trying to 
like character assassinate people mm-hmm. in these ways, maybe for something that they said, maybe in ways that like they, they feel and, um, and like there's some missing education or, or, or whatever. What you, what the, the cost, like the, the cost of doing that is that I believe very firmly that people look and seek out community. And if you tell somebody that they're not welcome, they're going to find the place where they are welcome. Yeah. And if you tell enough people who feel the same way that they're not welcome or that they're evil or that they're malicious or that they don't care and so that they're not welcome, well, guess what? You're going to end up with a group of people that all feel that way and with nobody to help them see otherwise. Yes. And that can become very dangerous. Exactly right. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's right on the head. And that's the opposite of the influence that we're talking about, right? Like that's the influence in the exact opposite direction. And unfortunately, most people are uninformed enough that if, you know, if you mention any policy left of center, uh, at least left of the American center, to somebody who's, you know, a uh, staunch modern day, what I guess what you would call conservative, which doesn't seem very conservative to me. You mentioned like universal health care and people would be like, oh, like, you know, these people don't even know what bathroom they pee in and Black Lives Matter is fucking bullshit. Like I work for everything that I have. And and it's like, you know, I, I'm not defending these people, but can- cancel culture has only helped crystallize and give just give uh, ammunition to people like that. It, it does nothing. Um, it, I mean, you give you, what you do is you provide people with a platform to, uh, to commune. Like you, you, you are a common enemy. Yeah. You're, you're providing people the grounds in which they can um, group together. You, you give them power in a democracy. You give those people power by giving them a reason to band together. Well, and like, it's look the at the opposite of what you want. Ex- exactly. And, and like, look at exactly, you know, look at where we've, what we've been talking about, the emotion being so much more influential than the logic in this particular circumstance can have these people go over, you know, they, they, they're pushed over to this like sort of, you know, just in at least in this example, they're pushed over into this right wing agenda, right? Like they're they're pushed over into this right wing circle, and will scoff at things or policies that are left of center that would otherwise. Oh, sorry, that's my dog. That would otherwise really, really help them because, like, what's the reality? A lot of these people might be undereducated. They might be poor. They make less than $35,000 a year and they're going to sit there and they're going to fight you on the cultural issue that you're bringing up in spite of the logical policy that could help them attain health care, attain a working wage, attain a home, um, attain better education, like all, all of these things. And that's, that's just the power of emotions. Um, and when you when you're skillfully yielding them um, strategically and tactically, you have a chance of influencing somebody your way. When you're just spinning, spitting venom, 
you you do nothing exactly like you're saying, but just fortifying a common, just just fortifying the enemy. Really, you you let them gather together, and yeah, uh, and like that becomes even more dangerous if you don't realize that the enemy that you can create can be a larger force than you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, Democracy or not, really, right? Like you know, I'm not again disclaimer not a historian but like you look at what happened in nazi germany like uh adolf hitler was elected legally yeah you know um and people look back and they're like oh nazis like i could never you know everyone assumes immediately in their head that they were on the opposite side of the nazi regime had they been alive in germany in the 1930s and 40s um and that's just not the truth no, that's just not the truth. You know, I, I could look outside at a good chunk of my block and say that, you know, it would be a solid 50 50 if that. Um, <laughs> and that that's what I that's what I believe to be true. That's what I think, because I think that people emotionally when you're spoken to emotionally, when you think emotionally, when you're divided emotionally and you have an, an emotional you have an, an emotional common enemy you end up distilled into a, an emotional um, wreck of, of like this crystallized force that will use logic and policy and all of these other social tools in order to just be a Trojan horse for your, you know, misguided hatred. Yeah. Um, and, and pent up aggression and, and anger. So. Damn. We did good. That yeah. was a lot. We made it. We did make it. <clears throat> we did make it. I had to look for for a spot for us to to start to wrap up. Um, I feel like we were just getting to a place where we probably could have done another easy hour and a half. Yeah, it was um, just warmed up. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Like, man, uh, all that time in the bullpen, and then I only gave you an inning. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> I would love to do it again. Um, I really appreciate you taking some time to to hop on here. Um, it's a uh, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad that we we had conversation. That my goal at like each time really is to just have conversation that's not easy to have. Um, and it's um, yeah, I always feel like personally like very rewarded um, if I'm. I'm able to have a conversation with someone that uh, it's not the easiest stuff to talk about, whether that's how we view the world, if we view the world differently, if we've had different experiences, if our values are different. Um, like we're, uh, we're all made up uh, of some very similar things, but also very different things. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I appreciate you sharing with me how, how you view the world. Um, and also allow me to tell you how I view it and also how uh, maybe you changed my mind a little bit today. I yeah. appreciate that. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. And I'll, I'll kind of just leave with the, uh, the last disclaimer of the night that, um, you know, what I think today or what I thought today might not be what I think tomorrow. You know, I might think something else tomorrow. I probably will. You know, um, and maybe not tomorrow, but like, you know, anything that was said on here and anything that that we feel and anything that we've expressed subject to revision, my dude. 
Yeah, everything we know is subject to revision, especially what we know about the truth, right? Exactly right. That's it, man. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for joining tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. Love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Subject to Revision podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and numerous other platforms. We plan on releasing one episode per week. If you have any suggestions or questions about our podcast, please email us at subjecttorevision2020 at gmail.com. We look forward to your continued support.